Hey everybody, welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. 50 episodes. Now some of you are probably thinking, 50, what's the big deal? I listen to plenty of podcasts that have like 200, 300, or Joe Rogan like up in the millions or thousands, who even knows? Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of podcasts fizzle out after like five episodes. And I have worked really, really hard uh, to not only hit publish on 50 episodes, but to ensure that I've had high quality guests and audio. I've wanted it to be a good experience. Like from the start, I've wanted this to be something that could really bring value to people, not just more content, because I think a lot of us are kind of getting drowned in more content. So I really wanted to focus on the value and the high quality production. And I think we've been accomplishing that, at least I hope so. So thanks for joining me on this adventure and helping me get to 50 episodes. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club and for doing so for quite a long time now. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. They have customers not only in baseball and softball, but football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can think of. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services to recreational college professional, and of course, what we all care about, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. That's right, High School Coaches Club. That's the letters HSCC for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find that link down in the show notes. For episode 50, I wanted to do something that I haven't done before and that I really never planned on doing and don't really plan on doing again. Uh, but with the new school year about a month or so underway, I thought it would be the right time to record an episode without a guest, with just me. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 50 with, well, with me. All right, so I'm recording episode 50 here today on a Sunday, just six days before the episode goes live on Saturday, which is possibly when you're clicking that play button right now. And today I was uh, with my kiddo, Bailey. He just turned two in August and we were uh, at the at the school uh, up in the East Gym. So our our batting cages, uh, our indoor batting cages aren't in some nice fancy facility or anything like that. They're uh, kind of the pull out nets that are inside a, an auxiliary gym upstairs. Um, it's kind of a kind of a pretty cool deal because it's, it's kind of helped create the identity and culture of our program. Um, if anybody has ever read the book Talent Code, if you haven't, you, you certainly should. But um, in Talent Code, one of the really cool things that I learned was that oftentimes, not, not so much the worse your facility is, but kind of it, it, basically, if you have a facility that's not gorgeous and not beautiful and not perfect, 
um, a lot of times that can actually really work in your favor and create this culture within your program of almost like that blue collar work ethic kind of a thing where it's us against the world. Whereas if sometimes you have a really beautiful facility, you walk in there and as a player, you can feel sometimes like you already have it made that the really hard work that it took to, you know, years of fundraising and, and everything that it took to create that facility, you don't really have that background, that idea. And so not to say that that's automatic and I would absolutely trade everything for a brand new, beautiful facility for our school. And we're, we're certainly working on trying to get one approved so that we can begin the fundraising portion of it. But anyway, so we have the East Gym and it's, it's kind of helped create this culture in our program. There's been times in the winter in previous years where we haven't been able to get in there until like nine o'clock, sometimes even 10 o'clock at night, even on school nights, uh, just because of basketball using it, uh, both the boys and girls teams, then youth basketball teams using it. And it's just, it, it can be really hard sometimes to get in there. So anyway, this year we have a brand new auxiliary gym. Uh, and so that East gym, that upstairs gym um, after school, much more available to us. So I'm pretty excited to be able to get in and practice and do workouts right after school rather than waiting uh, until deep into the dark of the night uh, during the off season. So, so like I said, the day I'm recording this is a Sunday, which means tomorrow is Monday and that'll be our first workout. So by the time you're listening to this, we'll have had at least two workouts. And the way workouts for off-season sports work here in Oregon, um, you know, every every state seems to be a little bit different on this, but in Oregon, it's broken down into six different classifications. And if you're in the top two, so 5A and 6A in, in South Salem High School is in 6A, we have this rule where basically there's open periods and closed periods, and the open period is beginning and it ends uh, sometime in the middle of November. And basically, you can do whatever you want for six hours a week. Uh, you can scrimmage yourself. You can't You can't play other programs. But um, So basically, as long as you're only with your own players, you can do anything you want. So teams that have turf are at a huge advantage because, of course, they can get out on the field. Um, our field, again, is... Uh, it, it, we share it with soccer during the off season. So right now it's it's a giant soccer field, and their the the corner of of one of their um, their ends is actually in the infield dirt. So it would make a lot of baseball coaches kind of cringe, but it is what it is, and we survive it. And uh, we're just really excited to get things going. So uh, we've we've also been back in school for about two or three weeks, and so all of this kind of combines to create this really good opportunity for me to take what I've reflected on over the last few months since our last season ended, to take all the conversations that I've had with the 48 different guests up until this point, and to kind of put all that together and, and share with you uh, three main topics that I want to kind of get into today. And, and the first is going to be just kind of reflecting on last year and how I've planned and how we have, as a program have planned to kind of implement some changes to adjust to a handful of different things. And, and I thought it might be valuable for you to hear kind of my thinking through all of that. Um, the second topic I want to get into is really at the forefront of my mind right now. I, you know, I, I'm a baseball coach, but Right now, it's really hard for me to think about coaching baseball and getting into the intricacies of, you know, first base play or, or base running because there is just this growing concern now that we're back in schools. And you may have seen this on the news, and we've seen a little bit of it at our own school. Uh, but just after being more or less away from normal school, quote unquote, for the last 18 months or so, our kids are really hurting in just basic understanding of how to be human. And I don't think it's a teenager problem. I think it's a 
world problem or maybe United States problem. It certainly applies to adults too. We've seen how people have acted in society. And I feel like maybe the pandemic and COVID and, and all this time away and, and being out of jobs and stuff like that, I think it's revealed some really nasty characteristics within a lot of people. And uh, so we just have this kind of growing growing problem with kids in our school. And um, how do we help them learn how to be decent human beings? And ultimately, that's what our job is as coaches. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about leveraging our sport, whatever it is that you coach, and leveraging it to try to improve and help our kids uh, become uh, more human, I guess, for lack of a better way to explain it. So I want to get into that. And then the third thing I want to get into is family and just kind of share my thoughts on uh, being a coach within your own family and, and making sure that you're doing things that, um, I don't know, that 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 work for your family. So I want to reflect on last year. I want to talk about leveraging your sport and I want to get into family. So that first one up, like I said, is reflecting on last year. So um, just to set the background, and for those who have listened into all the episodes before, you've probably heard little bits and pieces of this come through in the different episodes that I've had. Although I, I really try to focus on letting our guests talk and, and not and not step in too much with what we're going through. But uh, just to give you an idea, here in Oregon, um, essentially in, in our district, and most of Oregon was this way. Um, we were uh, all remote learning up until April of 2020. So. Um, or I'm uh, sorry, of 2021. So from, from September 2020, actually going all the way back to March of 2020, right? When we all went home, March of 2020 up until April of 2021, kids weren't Chromebooks at home. Uh, and so we, you know, of course, have all the issues that happen with that of being away from school and away from friends and family and everything like that, um, taking care of little siblings and whatnot. Uh, and so then kids came back for April through June, and it was uh, only for us two days a week that they were there. And, um, building was really empty because of the different cohorts and everything like that. The hallways were almost like a wasteland. I had classes that sometimes only had like four or five kids in them. Others that had at, at most 18. So then we, you know, summer happened and then we came back this year in September, early September, and we're back to full-time regular school. And then we came back in September of 2021 and now we're full school. I mean, it's 23, 2400 kids in the building uh, five days a week going to all of our classes, packed rooms. And so we're back to normal, basically. Uh, the only the only thing is we have face masks or, or face coverings is, is really the only difference. Basically, the, the way sports worked then here in Oregon were um, our OSAA, which is kind of the governing body for all high school sports in Oregon. Uh, they basically shut all sports down. So there basically wasn't anything from March of 2020 until uh, February, late January of 2021. And they did abbreviated seasons for each uh, sport. So fall sports, quote unquote, for example. So football, soccer, you're talking volleyball, cross country. They went six weeks basically starting in early February and ending in early March or, or April or so. Uh, and then baseball started and the other quote unquote spring sports started. They went for six weeks. And then the uh, traditional winter sports, so basketball and swimming and whatnot, they and wrestling, they went more or less like May through June. So they went into the summer a little bit. So we had six-week seasons. They were really short, obviously. It went by very, very quickly. Um, I think we played like 15 games versus in a normal year, we're probably getting um, 26, 27 maybe, and then plus playoffs, however many you get. So it was abbreviated. There were there were no playoffs for most levels, including ours. So 6A did not have playoffs at all. So basically it was 
you know, show up, play, play 15 games, and and that's the end of the season. So it was really bizarre as a coach. But um, one of the things that I I learned um, was back on episode five. And if you haven't heard episode five with Sandro Prosperino, um, just I've had the chance to meet some incredible people by doing this podcast. But Sandro, Sandro's probably at the top, uh, just just in terms of the kind of human being that he is. And it, like I, if you haven't heard that episode, just press press stop and go listen to that because you're going to get way more out of episode five with Sandro than you'll ever get here in episode 50 with me. But um, one of the big things I learned from Sandro is how he runs his program and tryouts. And he doesn't cut players. If, if you want to come out and play for him, you can come out and play for him and he'll find a spot for you. And if you're senior, he'll, he'll find some time for you to play. And he's going to make sure that he gets you into games as much as he can. Um, of course, he still wants to win. And he does. But one of the big things that I kind of took away from my conversation with him, and this would have been, oh my gosh, back in probably, I want to say October of 2020, um, when episode five was recorded with Sandro. And um, one of the things I took away from that conversation was this, this deep reflection that I was able to have, which is that when our season started back up, and there was the, that six-week, 15-game, no-playoff season that we had this past spring, I I needed to take a step back from how I normally ran our program. Uh, we're a highly competitive program. Uh, we win uh, the to two previous years, so 2018 and 2019. We um, we made it uh, to the state semifinals. Each game we lost, uh, ironically, in extra innings, in eight innings, uh, and we lost both games by the score of three to two, and both times on a walk off, uh, basically infield single or ground ball. Um, and just really strange coincidences. So, uh, you know, we, we like to win. And while it's not the focus of our program, uh, you know, we're going to put kids in a position where we win games. That's, that's one of the goals that we have as a program. What, what I learned from Sandro and what I kind of took away from my conversation with him was that when we started back up in the spring of 2021, I needed to make sure that I gave my seniors, gosh, a, a year that they would remember. I needed to honor them by playing them, basically. And so as a program, and this was totally directed and led by me, um, I made the decision that our seniors were going to play a lot. And we had, uh, I think, seven, maybe eight seniors. And um, a lot of them are probably players that in a normal year for me, obviously because they're senior, they would be on the varsity team, but they would – Maybe get an at bat a game. Uh, maybe they'd pinch run. Maybe get them like a defensive inning. Uh, but by and large, they would play a very small role in our games um, in practices and everything. They'd be full fledged, but um, in games they'd be largely kind of sidelined. Uh, they'd be in the dugout. They'd be filling out charts and doing a lot of helpful things for our program. But they wouldn't necessarily be on the field uh, very much, right? Minimally, um, and so. After having that conversation with Sandro and, and taking some time to reflect on it afterwards, I kind of came to the realization that um, that those seniors had not had a junior season at all. So they played their freshman year, they played their sophomore year, then junior year, March, COVID hit, they shut the season down about four four days before their first game. So they didn't have a junior season. Then their senior year starts up, right? They're not even really in school. They're doing this remote learning thing. And then they finally get to come back and we get to play a little baseball. And it would have been, in my opinion, very wrong of me to have told them, hey, you know, I know you, you guys have gotten the short end of the stick. Life has hit at this time that 
kind of sucks for you, uh, but I'm not going to play you because I want to make sure that our program wins. Or I want to I want to bring you know this sophomore kid up to varsity, get him that varsity experience, maybe take our licks for a year with him. But um, you know this season doesn't matter anyway. So if we lose the games, might as well lose them with with some sophomores who will get the varsity reps and put us in a better position for next year, right? The old me, that's what I probably would have done. And some coaches may have made the decision to do that. Um, and that's fine. That's they had to do what was best for their program. Uh, but, but I kind of, again, unilateral decision. I did not consult my assistant coaches on making this decision. Um, it was, this is the way I'm going to do it. And I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't do that this way. So we had a lot of seniors who played a lot and in a normal year, like I said, they would not have played very much. And so, what that meant for us, we had the first losing season I've ever had as a head coach. Um, you know, we we had some games that just weren't real competitive. We on their senior night, we we hosted a team that that uh, ten runned us and no hit us in five innings. And so we we took our licks a little bit and we had fun. It was a great time. Our our, our players, I think, learned a lot. Our younger guys who were with us. They got better. I think we're in a really good position moving forward. I don't think that year hurt us as a full program at all. But um, I just, from from a standpoint of a of being a human, uh, I would not be able to, you know, five ten years down the road, look one of those kids in the eye like like Spencer Elliott. I would not be able to look him in the eye if I saw him, you know, at a grocery store, um, and look him in the eye and go, "Yeah, Spencer, you know, I I, I did the right thing." if I had not played him at all, if I had made him sit the bench after not having an, a junior season um, and then having a, an abbreviated senior season with no playoffs and no repercussions if you win or don't win. And so, I, I like I said, I made the decision that I thought was best for our program. So for me then, uh, as we transition into this, this new season, um, I've kind of made sure that I've had that conversation and made it clear with our program, with all of our players, that we're back to normal this year. Um, that we're transitioning from what was um, something we needed to do and giving our seniors playing time uh, more than they probably normally would. And we're transitioning to a normal season, right? So just trying to be really open with parents and players and letting them know that we're we're going to go back to normal. We're going to try to uh, put our our players in a position to win games. If that means we're going to bring a freshman up to varsity, that's what we're going to do. If that means we're going to leave uh, – a decently talented junior down on JV so that we could get uh, bring a sophomore up to varsity who we think is going to put us in a better position, not only this year, but moving forward. That's something that we're going to do. And if we have a senior in the program uh, who's put in, put in hard work and put in the time, we're going to do our best to find opportunities for that young man to play and to, to be impactful for our program. But a lot of the times the most impact he's going to have on us is being a really good teammate being really competitive in practice and then being really good at charting and taking care of, of in-game duties. And when opportunities arise for him to get into games, if he does really well, of course, we're going to keep trying to find bigger and, and, and more, uh, I don't know, strenuous perhaps opportunities for him to get better and, and prove to us that he gets more playing time, but um, we're back to normal. And so uh, while I say that, I also, I also want to make sure I mention this, that one thing I learned from Sandro about cutting players um, has really impacted me as well. So I'm not going to 
I'm not going to say that I, I will, we won't cut players, but um, one of the things that my conversation with him way back in October of last year for episode five of this program, uh, I learned that, um, gosh, once a kid, and, and a little bit from Butch Chaffin too, but uh, once a kid is in our program, so once he makes the team, let's say he comes in as a freshman, uh, and this is something I've really changed on, I don't think he should be cuttable after that. Barring, of course, major disciplinary problems or things like that, but um, just talent. I, I don't think I don't think I have the heart to cut kids anymore um, who have played in our program in previous years, uh, just based on talent or skill level, just to try to get our, our numbers down. Um, I, I don't think that's something that we're going to do moving forward anymore, and that is a change for us. One of the big mistakes that I have or that I made, um, reflecting back my first year in this program. Uh, and I came from another high school, a rival high school, really. And I came over here and took over the program. We did tryouts. And this is after an off season of guys coming in and just working their tails off, just getting better, fundraising, selling globs of oranges and grapefruit, and, and just really helping our program. And the tryouts came. And, and after three or four days, I cut, uh, I cut a senior solely based on talent. And I have, I have so many regrets about it. And if I were to see that young man in a grocery store today, I would feel, I'd feel very ashamed uh, by looking him in the eyes and telling him, uh, you know, how could I look him in the eyes? How could I tell him? Yeah, I made the right choice. And so of course, if I were to see him, I'd, I'd be honest and I'd share it. And, and maybe it turned out good for him and everything worked out great, but um, just something moving forward. And, and so I'm not telling you to do that for your program. I'm not saying that's what you have to do or, or that the way I did it is the, the best way or anything like that. But I just wanted to make sure that I shared those reflections with you because I think they're important. And so as we move forward into this year, we're, we're, we're taking a lot of things we learned from last year and, and trying to reteach a lot of things and trying to slow the game down quite a bit and, and really help kids learn this thing because uh, we've just had so many people who have lost out on so much sport opportunity um, that a year, a year and a half, you know, of missed sport is a lot. And so there's just, there's just a lot to teach these kids and help them with. And so, um, man, I, I, we're just going to be really focused on doing everything we can to help kids and, uh, whoever that might be, whoever's in our program, that's who we're here to help. And, uh, I, I just, I want to win games and I think it's really fun to win and certainly a hell of a lot more fun than losing. Uh, but at the same time, I think we're, we're ultimately put in these positions as high school coaches to impact kids um, and to try to make our program a home for people who need more out of their school experience than just coming to class and then leaving. And so that kind of leads me into the second topic that I really wanted to get into today, and that was leveraging your sport. And again, you know, for me, it's, it's baseball, but for you, it's whatever sport you coach. It does not matter. Um, even if you're, even if we're talking like band, um, orchestra, choir, um, whatever the activity is, um, but leveraging your sport, I think is super important and more so now than it ever has been. So, um, many of you are aware of this. There's this kind of trend, um, this viral trend on TikTok where basically kids are uh, stealing from teachers, they're vandalizing their own school. They're basically engaging in conduct that, for many of us, it's almost impossible to imagine that having happened when we were in school, and difficult to even imagine happening two years ago. 
And I think a lot of us lied to ourselves and thought these kids are going to be so grateful just to be in school again, to not be, you know, remote learning, that they're going to be, you know, great, wonderful angels and, and things will just be so perfect because they'll be so grateful. And while that is true for the vast majority, it's not true for all of them. And so we're seeing a few of these issues at our school, um, not nearly to the extent that um, you'll see in the news or that, you know, some schools are going through. But, you know, we've had teachers have some, some personal items stolen from their rooms. We've had um, a few issues of vandalizing. Our schools had to lock up quite a few of the bathrooms and just only open a, a handful of bathrooms throughout the building. Um, when you're having, you know, you know, 2,300, 2,400 people in a school, um, that, that's a lot of opportunity for kids to not be seen and to be doing some things that maybe they shouldn't do. There, there's also beyond that a lot of smaller things. So little things like, um, I don't know, an exit sign being knocked down, um, maybe just throwing trash on the floor instead of into a trash can, um, maybe a little more cell phone use than there should be. Um, just a lot of a lot of small things and big things that just kind of all add up to make a high school experience super distracting and, and, and certainly not as focused on helping kids learn um, academics as we all kind of expect them to be doing when they're in school, right? And so I think we all, and I had a kind of a tweet thread about this not too long ago, but I think we all we're so focused on this idea of learning loss, right? That, that kids have lost out on this, you know, all this learning from being, um, you know, remote learning and then maybe only going to school a few days a week. And uh, there's just going to be this huge achievement gap between where kids should be and where they are, where kids who had resources and money are versus where kids who didn't are. And while I think there's, there's certainly probably some truth to all of that, I think we really missed the boat on the focus and where the focus should be. And that's on helping kids learn how to be humans again. And like I said at the top of the show, um, this is not a teenager issue. This is a, a life issue. This You're seeing adults act this way. If you jump on Facebook and watch some of the videos that you'll, you'll see go viral or on YouTube, um, there are tons of instances every single day of adults acting like morons, right? Getting recorded and, and doubling down on it oftentimes. And so this is not to this is not me sitting here going like, yeah, these teenagers these days, kids these days. Uh, but the reality of it is our, our society is in this difficult place. And um, it, it reminds me, I had a conversation with Pat Casey once, the longtime head coach for Oregon State. Uh, the baseball program won uh, three national championships with them, including just a few years ago before he before he stepped down from coaching and became kind of a more focused in the athletic department. And I, I'll never forget, he was talking about um, high school coaches because we were talking to each other a little bit. And he said that um, there's a lot of cowards in the world today, more so than we've ever had before. And we need more high quality high school coaches to help teach our kids to not be cowards. I also think about Brian Sutherland, who I had on way back in episode number two, basically a year ago today. Brian Sutherland is a longtime athletic director here in Salem, Oregon. Um, happened to end up after retirement. He was my uh, supervisor for a little while uh, because uh, we had a, a, an administrator who was out. And so he kind of filled the role as a substitute admin and so we'd, we'd talk quite a bit and I uh, had him on the show eventually, of course. And um, one of the things that he said that has just really stuck with me is basically the question, how can you leverage your sport? How can schools leverage sports? How can school districts leverage sports? And for me, 
up until a few weeks ago, that always kind of meant academically. So, for example, if a kid's missing class, I can go have a conversation with him if he's a baseball player. He'd be like, hey, <laughs> you know, don't do that. And then being kind of, you know, his coach, he'd probably listen to me and he'd start showing up. Or if a kid is not doing well in classes and getting poor grades, then we take a step back from baseball and we introduce, you know, the idea of study hall or study tables or um, kind of being this go-between to help him meet with teachers and, and figure out what he needs to get done. And so using sport to improve academics. And up until a few weeks ago, that's kind of how I imagined that question. Um, maybe even little things like, oh, hey, you know, a teacher emailing me and saying, hey, you know, one of your kids is, is using his phone in class a little too much. And, um, you know, I would ask him to put it away. He does, but uh, he's just struggling to keep it put away. And so that's a really simple conversation for me to go have with him. Really simple stuff. But um, this year, like I said, um, we just have so many kids who are really struggling with how to be humans. And to use Pat Casey's words, being cowards. So in the past, if you saw a classmate doing something really stupid, for example, um, trying to rip an exit sign off of uh, like a door in the school, you would have said something to him. You certainly would not have thought it was cool. You certainly wouldn't have uh, probably like found the video on YouTube and like shared it with everybody saying, look how cool this is. And then uh, and whatnot. So we have the problems that always existed. We have people acting like idiots, right? As as Coach Mickles would say, uh, going through their idiot phase. And our job is to help them through that idiot phase. But uh, in the past, so many of the kids would try to stop this behavior in other kids. Like, hey, dude, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? And I'm, I'm we're not seeing that as much anymore. So we're seeing a lot more, again, cowardly behavior. And it's not just kids, it's adults too, again. So please don't take that this way. So uh, basically, how can we leverage our sport to improve behaviors, to improve responsibility of the teenagers that we're coaching? And I think it's a really important question. Um, so for example, um, tomorrow, which would be Monday, which would be five days after you, or five days before you're listening to this episode, um, tomorrow's our first workout. And I, I'd venture to say the first five to 10 minutes of that workout, quote unquote, is us as a program, um, all the kids who are able to be there, of course, kids who are currently playing a sport won't be there, but um, sitting everyone down and just talking through what they're seeing, um, giving them some tools to step up and be, um, oh man, what's the right word? <laughs> I don't know, to be agents of change. Um, to stand up for their school, to not let people mess with, with SSHS. And so um, we're going to be really focusing this year on leveraging baseball to improve the culture within our school. Because our school is an amazing school with incredible culture, but a lot of that culture died out in the last 18 months. And so how do we bring it back? And uh, that's one of the big goals I have for our program and for our school is how can I leverage baseball to improve the culture at South Salem? And if you're seeing similar behaviors at your school, I hope you can consider the same thing. How can you leverage your sport to improve the culture at your school, um, which ultimately will improve the people that we're sending out into society in the future, right? We're going to help these kids become um, high quality young men and women young, um, 
young people who can be contributing members to society uh, and people who eventually, of course, have their own children, perhaps, and bring them into this world. And if we all just kind of get a little bit better, uh, then over time that compounds and the whole world ends up being better. But small incremental changes, that's where it's done. So what can you do to leverage your sport to help your school, to help your kids? And then the last kind of topic that I wanted to get into that I mentioned earlier, family. And I think this is a time where we all get really excited about our sport and we get really deep into it. And for some of us, we're already full-fledged in season, right? So, you know, if you're coaching football, you're, I mean, you guys are going deep at it right now, right? And so uh, we get so caught up in our sport. We're so excited to be back, um, especially when we factor in what the last couple of years have been like. Like, this is a very exciting time to be a coach. And we have such uh, awesome opportunities to make impacts uh, to bring communities together uh, and to help kind of um, quell the division that's been that's been rampant across our country. Um, but ultimately, if we're doing all of this at the expense of our own home, of our own family, um, we're doing a disservice to the world. And so I, I kind of wanted to finish with this, which is in terms of family, how are you at home? Um, what are you doing? What systems are you creating for yourself? What boundaries do you have in order to make sure that your family is being taken care of in the ways that you think they should, in the ways that they think they should? And we're all going to fall flat of that no matter what, because we're human. But if we're asking ourselves that question often, uh, we're in the right spot. I'm not saying I do it right. Uh, there's plenty of times that I probably uh, do things I shouldn't do. Um, where I'm not the the father or the husband that um, I picture myself being in my head. But I work really, really hard to be somebody who can be a dad and be a husband that makes my son and my wife proud. And for me, just to give you some examples of little things I do that kind of help with that, um, I work really hard to leave school on time. I work really hard to end practice at the time in which we say we're going to end practice. Um, I work really hard to make sure my assistants know that anytime they need to leave for a family thing, they need to leave and go to their family thing. If their son is playing in you know, a t-ball game tonight, he needs to go to his son's t-ball game. Our high school kids are going to be fine. And giving myself permission to do the same as the head coach of the program and make sure my assistants are okay with me being gone sometimes, I think that's important too. We can't neglect our own families, um, no matter how important we think our sport is. And I know our impact can be huge and we're doing amazing things for kids and for families and for communities. But if it's coming at the expense of our own family, then who are we to talk, right? And so we've had coaches all over the map on the show. I know Coach Canan, Coach Lewis uh, have both done really amazing jobs of bringing their families into the fold. So making them a huge part of the program. And that definitely works for lots of families. Uh, we've heard some that go kind of the opposite direction. So I know um, Kyle Mickle, as I mentioned earlier, um, he had, he, we had a really kind of fun conversation about it, but he, he separates the two and is very clear of kind of keeping the separation. And um, his, his wife is not the type who's like dying to come to all of his games. And he, I remember one, one of the things he said is, you know, when I come home at night, it's not like, Oh, Hey babe, how was your game? It's like, Hey, it's time to be a dad now. Can you go change the diaper? Right. So it's, 
it's being able to be okay with whatever it is that your family needs you to be. Like I said, it doesn't matter what it is, but whatever it is, it needs to work. Do not neglect your family. Um, do your best. Uh, and like I said, our best is never going to be perfect. It's never going to be uh, good enough because I don't think there's such a thing as being a good enough um, husband uh, or a good enough dad or wife or, or mother, right? But um, anything you can do to really step back and ask yourself, am I, am I treating my family with the time and respect and commitment that I should? And if the answer is no, what can I take off my plate? What systems can I create to make that happen? Um, and ultimately, if, if I'm being really careful about those things and being very intentional about them, um, I'm going to end up with a family that appreciates what I'm able to do and with a community that appreciates what I'm able to do. And ultimately, with teenagers who see you being a good father or a good husband or a good wife or a good mom. And when they see that, it gives them a positive role model in their life that they can then try to become. And so often we get so invested in our sport that we forget that these kids watch everything that we do. And if they don't see you being a good parent or being a good spouse, um, we're setting a very poor example for them. So that's it. Do your best. Um, so three things reflections on last year. Hopefully um, you got a little bit out of that, but kind of think through and ask yourself questions about um, how you go through cutting players, how you go through playing time and seniors and how does that all work? Um, second topic, leveraging your sport. How can you leverage your sport to help kids be better, to help your communities improve and help the culture of your school? And then three, and this is the really important one, it's family. Uh, what systems have you created? What are you doing to make sure that you're being a good spouse and a good parent uh, before you're being a good coach? Because that's so important. And as I, I kind of round things out, I wanted to leave you with my favorite all-time clip from the show. Uh, and I originally, when I was sitting down kind of thinking this episode out, I thought, oh, I'll do like a clip show. Like, I don't know if y'all remember Seinfeld, but I remember growing up watching Seinfeld. And I remember every once in a while, they'd have a clip show. And it'd always really kind of be fun because you get to hear all the cool clips. But then ultimately, like within three or four minutes into it, I'd be kind of annoyed because I'm like, well, I'd, I'd rather just watch an episode. I don't need to see all the stuff I've already seen before. So um, I decided not to do a clip show here in episode 50, even though I've had... 48 incredible guests who are all worthy of having clips on episode 50. Um, I wanted to leave you with my all-time favorite. And I do have one, not talking about the full episode, just talking about one clip, my favorite clip of the entire show. Uh, and it was Josh Niblett, um, who's the head coach uh, at, at Hoover High School, a football coach who many of you knew about before he was on the show. Uh, but I, I asked him to kind of go over quitters, campers, and climbers for me uh, because I'd heard him talk about it after a state championship game uh, years and years ago. Uh, and he dove in and just spit fire. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. It's my favorite all-time clip from the first 49 episodes. And I thought, what a good way to end episode 50. As it happens, just uh, again, so grateful that you've joined me on this adventure. I cannot explain enough how much it means to me that you keep tuning in and you keep thinking that there must be some value here uh, that you can take to your own program. So thank you so much. Uh, wish you all the best. And here is my favorite all-time clip from the first 49 episodes, Josh Niblett. 
And there's three kinds of people in this world. And look, if you don't get anything from this talk today and you're out there listening to it, this is what we need to be giving our kids every day. Look, there's three kinds of people. There's the quitter, there's the camper, and there's the climber. And many of you may have heard this before, but you can adjust it to ever how you want to. But, you know, the quitter is the guy that kind of looks like everybody else. You know, he, he, you know, he wears all the, the towels and the wristbands, you know, but he really doesn't want a part of it. And he'll go and buy the best chalk, the best carabiners, the best ropes. And he'll look up at the top of the mountain and actually say to himself, you know what? I want to get to the top. And he'll be ready. He'll get himself pumped. He'll talk himself into it and let everybody else talk him into it. And he'll walk to the bottom of the mountain. And then when they blow the whistle, the first thing he does is not take a step. The first thing he does is look at the top of the mountain to try to evaluate what it's going to take to get there. And believe me, what he does is he walks away from it and goes home. But his consolation is, at least I walked up to the mountain. We got people that wake up every day. And their one goal is, they, at least I woke up today. Look, waking up ain't enough. It's about putting your feet on the floor, making your bed, brushing your teeth, get going and get 1% better. It's the camper. Then the camper's the guy that, you know, he starts at the bottom of the mountain and he gets going and you're thinking, God, this guy's going to get to the top. And then he gets about halfway and his lungs start burning, you know, and his legs start hurting. You know, and he starts just, basically what he does is, is he looks down and he goes, good Lord, I've come a long way. And then he looks up. And then he goes, man, I got a long way to go. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to check in right here at Mediocre Inn in the middle of the mountain. And he walks into Mediocre Inn and, you know, they take all of his gear. They give him a room. They give him dinner. The next morning he wakes up. They got a great fire burning in the lobby and they give him a breakfast. And all these people are leaving to go back out on the mountain. And he goes, hey, you know what? Hey, I'll just stay right here. But his consolation is at least I'm better than the quitter. See, some of us wake up every day and we compare ourselves to quitters. And I don't, I, don't, I don't compare myself to anybody. I compare myself to what God expects me to be every day that I live my life. And so that ain't got anything to do with anybody. And so the last one is the climber. And so the climber is the one that when he takes his step, he doesn't even look to the top of the mountain. Like he don't even want to know how far he goes because he's going to finish on empty whether he gets there or not. And so as he starts, the only thing he's focused on is the next step because he knows if he missed steps, then he could slip and fall to the bottom and have to start all over. And the one thing that separates the climber from anybody else is, is when they see somebody that's struggling, they'll grab them and take them with them. Knowing that that may weigh them down and not get to the end, but it's all about taking people with you. It's all about making people better. And then when you get to the top, you're not the climber anymore, you're the climber. And you climb the top of the mountain, you see all the other mountains that you're about to climb, and you go back down again and start back up again because you never, ever want to just stay at the top. Thank you so much for tuning in to an episode that had no guest. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too bad and hopefully my thoughts weren't too meandering. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening to Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button no matter where you're listening. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or much more likely any previous episode where I actually had a guest, please share this on social media to your followers via email to your fellow coaches or through the old fashioned word of mouth. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode, and to you for clicking that play button. 
If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You can finally stop listening to my voice for a little while. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you. <laughs>